A quick word from our sponsor today. Where do I start? Help desk software, payment software, email marketing tools, CMS and blogging tools, SEO tools, deal management tracking, pipeline tracking. You do not need more tools to get more out of your business. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform is the ultimate business hack for all your customer-facing teams. You can create best-in-class campaigns and automate outreach with workflows that will generate more qualified leads for your business. HubSpot will also keep track of every prospect with category-leading pipeline management so you can close more deals. Finally, you can use powerful AI chatbots and develop a knowledge base to scale your support. HubSpot is built to deliver results, drive more revenue, and to help your business grow faster than you ever thought was possible. Try it for yourself today at HubSpot.com. Again, go check out HubSpot.com today. Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of All the Hacks, a show about upgrading your life, money, and travel. A few days ago, I had a conversation with Ali Abdal, who's one of the creators I follow the most when it comes to learning about productivity hacks and different tools and systems that someone uses to make their life more efficient. And I had hoped maybe we'd get more time in the conversation to go through all of the apps we use, but we just didn't get there. However, I did think it would be worth sharing with all of you what I'm using to make my life more efficient, more optimal. I figured I'll talk about Chrome extensions, sending emails, scheduling, storing information, accessing stuff quickly on your computer. I might even jump into some other apps I use for different things to make life more efficient and some of the gear and hardware I use technology-wise just to make the whole house and our life function well. So I'm going to start with email because I think it's probably one of the things that we do the most. I've been a longtime Gmail user And for many years, I was just using it all on Gmail. And so my tips for that are, you've got to turn on your keyboard shortcuts. I think email is 10 times faster when you master the Gmail keyboard shortcuts. There's a few other things I use. I make sure to turn on in the advanced settings, auto advance, because as soon as you finish an email, it jumps to the next one. I like the unread message icon because if you pin the tab for Chrome, it'll change the icon with a number of how many emails there are. So if you're one of those people that's like, I want to know if I have any emails, you could just check without having to go. I like compact view because it just lets you see more at once. And when I was using Gmail as the interface, I used a system that I'll link to in the show notes for organizing all of the emails I had into a handful of buckets that when you use split inbox and labels, you can kind of move things around. So I had everything that came in. I had things I was awaiting a reply for. I had really priority urgent things I needed to tackle, stuff that I could get to in the next week, and just stuff I wanted to save for later. Now, ever since I switched to Superhuman, I've stopped doing that. But the two other things I did with Gmail were... It drove me crazy when everyone's email signature would just get stacked 5, 10 signatures all the way at the bottom. So there's this setting that's like insert signature before quoted text and removing that dash before it. So I love that. And then I used undo send a lot. For some reason, I would fire off an email, send it, and very regularly be like, oh, I forgot something. So I love that. 
The only other big thing I use in Gmail is aliases. So I have Chris at all the hacks.com, which I bring up in every show. I've got some personal email addresses. I forward all those emails to my core Gmail account and I use the aliases so that I can send from all those aliases. So I operate everything from one email account, even though there might be five or six email addresses out there. And for the last, I don't know, five, 10 years almost, I'd heard of this app, Superhuman. And for some reason, I'd never really brought myself to try it out because in my mind, paying for an email client on top of Gmail, which was free, seemed crazy. So I never used it. And I remember signing up for one of their onboarding sessions once, but I never ended up going. And then there was one feature in the past few months that I'd really wanted to try to get working in Gmail, and it didn't. And it was that I wanted to be able to see all the emails that have come from a person so that I kind of could go back quickly and get the context of all the conversations I've had. You know, I get emails from listeners all the time, you guys, and I want to make sure that I know that we've already talked about this thing. And, you know, there's just a lot of email. And so Gmail actually had a feature that made this possible, but it didn't work with aliases. So if someone emailed me at chris at all the hacks.com, it wouldn't find it because it was only looking at my core Gmail account. So when I saw Superhuman had that feature, I was like, okay, let's just give it a try. And I can't believe I waited this long. It's really changed the way I use email. It's so fast. It's so efficient. The UI is great. I can't endorse it enough. A few of the things that I love. So you can use keyboard shortcuts for everything. So they have this great instant intro feature that I'd always wished I had with Gmail, which I could just in one keyboard shortcut, take the person who sent the email, put them to BCC, add text with their first name automatically that says, thanks, Bill, to BCC, and moves the person that was CC'd into the to field, and you can immediately respond to an introduction. When you use undo send, it delays sending emails, but they have a send instantly shortcut, so when you actually want to get it out there, maybe you're testing something and you want to check it on another email, you can do that. It also pulls up social profiles of everyone that you're emailing so you can find them uh, and learn a bit more about them, especially if it's an email from someone you don't know. There are snippets, so you can come up with these pre-programmed pieces of text that you can throw into an email. So I have one that is a common intro I make to people that I just pull up and it automatically fills in their name and the subject and the two and all that kind of stuff and CCs, everything. It's really great for sending outreach multiple times. You can also just program a set of recipients. So if there's like five people you email a lot, instead of typing in all five email addresses, you can just instantly have them all populate. The mobile app's good. Reminders are good. I mean, like, it is so good. I really think that you should check it out. You can get one month free at allthehacks.com slash superhuman. But this is not a product I'm getting for free and telling you about that's awesome. I actually pay every month to use this product and I love it. You can also use Superhuman to actually schedule events right in email. So if you say, let's meet on Thursday, it pops up a little side calendar and shows you Thursday. And you can go in and schedule an event and send the invite right away. You can even pull in all the people that are in the email thread and automatically add them. Like I can't, if, if you use Gmail and you want it to be more efficient, or I actually think it works with Outlook, it's definitely worth checking out. Like I said, one month free, allthehacks.com slash superhuman. For scheduling, I love Calendly. I've used it for years. Nick Gray, who I had on to talk about cocktail parties, actually has a post on his site that I loved that went into all the details of how he set up his Calendly to both be a little bit more friendly. I'll link to that in the show notes. And one thing, I know there's a lot of talk about, it's like, oh, just assume someone else has to put time on my calendar. So, you know, I do try to say, 
feel free to send some times that work for you. Or if it's easier, you can pick something on my calendar. I'm not just assuming that everyone needs to operate around my schedule. But that line of text of giving someone that option, that's a snippet I have in Superhuman. So anytime I'm scheduling something, boom, click a keyboard shortcut and instantly that gets thrown into the email. Let's see, what else? As for where I store information, so I use the same things a lot of you use. For some reason, I use Dropbox, Google Drive, and iCloud. I think because iCloud for me is where I put all my photos. I use the Photos app on my phone. I use the Photos app on my computer. And I store lots of videos. I've even taken old VHS tapes of my childhood, converted them to videos on my computer, and put them into my iCloud library. So everything's in there. I was approaching the cap of you know two terabytes at one point. So I was like, well, I'm not going to use that for everything else. So then Google Drive is where I actually back things up. So stuff that's way bigger than that. So if I have some really big files that I need to back up that are really just random things or backups of old computers, I put that there. And then obviously, I use Google Docs for so much document writing. It's really replaced Office for almost everything I do. I think I might from time to time use Excel just for like a local scratch pad. But I don't think I've used Word or PowerPoint for really a long time. And I use Dropbox for storing lots of files. For the most part, it's where I store everything for all the hacks, all the audio files from the interviews, the video files from the interviews, the photos from guests that I upload to be the cover art, all that stuff goes there. But I also use it for personal stuff. Amy and I have a shared folder. And you know, in there, you can find everything from like our old credit card statements if we wanted to keep them somewhere to health records, dog records, things that are like PDFs that I want to put somewhere, mortgage closing statements where there's tons and tons of documents there that you don't know if you'll need, but you want to put them somewhere. I just throw it in Dropbox. It's not the most organized, but for the most part, the reason I have Dropbox is that I use it for everything, all the hacks. I could put clips for an episode that I can share to a guest and everything goes in there. But the big place that I'm storing almost everything these days is in Notion. So it's basically become my second brain for two big projects. One, my family, and one, the podcast. And so for the family, there's an entire Notion board for our family where Amy and I do everything from planning an upcoming trip, organizing tables of info where we're looking for a dog walker or an au pair, and we create a table and we put it there. We made a table of all the classes that our daughter could take, dance classes or swim classes. Where are they? What are they? How much do they cost? We just organize it all in one place so we can share it. We can comment. We save resources there. So when we were starting out with solid foods for Quinn, we thought, okay, let's share some links to some great meal plans and guides on how to handle that circumstance. We even have a page where we write down all the questions to ask our pediatrician at the next appointment so that when we go to that appointment, we just know exactly where to pull up the list of questions. We put checkboxes on them so we can run through them. It all works really easily. For all the hacks, I have so much information in Notion. It's like every episode, the plan for that episode, every guest, when they're going to appear, who are my partners and sponsors for the show, what episodes are they on, what topics do I want to write about in the newsletter, what shows do I want to do cross promotions with, everything. I track all the income and the expenses for the show. Really everything is in here. When you guys share hacks with me, all these great listener hacks, I put those into Notion as well. It's really become like my second brain for any big, big thing that's lots of information of different types. 
right? If it was just files, maybe I could put it in Dropbox. If it just fits in a Google Doc, it could just go there. But when it's a lot of stuff I want to connect and reference and jump between and put in tables and sort, Notion does some really cool stuff like a table of episodes that also references a table of partners or also references a table of guests. It's like a database, but in just a much more intuitive UI for the average person. Whether it's researching investments, comparing performance, trying to read up on the news, or looking into a company's financial statements, it seems like there is an unlimited number of places to get your information, but my go-to site for all things investing is actually the same site I've been using for over a decade. It keeps getting better and better and also happens to be our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just getting started, Yahoo Finance has all the tools and data you need in one place. Well, Actually, two places because they also have a great mobile app. You'll get a holistic view of the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. It's probably why they've been trusted for over 25 years and by over 90 million users each month who are working towards their own financial success. So for comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind so many great investors, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com, that's yahoofinance.com. I love helping you answer all the toughest questions about life, money, and so much more, but sometimes it's helpful to talk to other people in your situation, which actually gets harder as you build your wealth. So I want to introduce you to today's sponsor, Long Angle. Long Angle is a community of high net worth individuals with backgrounds in everything from technology, finance, medicine, to real estate, law, manufacturing, and more. I'm a member of Long Angle. I've loved being a part of the community, and I've even had one of the founders, Tad Fallows, join me on all the hacks in episode 87 to talk about alternative investments. Now, the majority of Long Angle members are first-generation wealth, young, highly successful individuals who join the community to share knowledge and learn from each other in a confidential, unbiased setting. On top of that, members also get access to some unique private market investment opportunities. Like I said, I'm a member and I've gotten so much value from the community because you're getting advice and feedback from people in a similar situation to you on everything from your investment portfolio to your children's education to finding a concierge doctor. So many of these conversations aren't happening anywhere else online. So if you have more than 2.2 million in investable assets, which is their minimum for membership, I encourage you to check out Long Angle and it's totally free to join. Just go to longangle.com to learn more, and if you choose to apply, be sure to let them know you heard about it here. Again, that's longangle.com. When it comes to just finding all of this stuff and just operating efficiently on my computer, I also love an app that I've talked about in the past called Alfred. So if you're a Mac user, you probably know that you can hit command spacebar and pull up a place where you could just type and search for a file or go to a website. Well, Alfred is like that, but supercharged. So you can load all kinds of stuff into it. I have an emoji library so I can keyboard shortcut my way to whatever emoji. I use it as a calculator. I use it to find files. I use it to create custom workflows. So if there's something I need to do where I'm, you know, I have a set of keyboard commands for example, I want to like remove a signature and replace it with something. I can just create a workflow and run it with one shortcut. But the best feature that saves me so much time is that Alfred stores my entire clipboard history, 
whether it's images that I've screen grabbed or whether it's just text I've copied so I can quickly go back. So sometimes I want to grab a few lines from one email and move it to another. I can copy each one individually, go into this next email and paste each one individually just by browsing the history all from my keyboard and not have to jump back and forth between the docs. I use Alfred at least 100 times a day. It's got to be the most used app on my computer. I think it's fantastic. Another keyboard shortcut one is an app called Rectangle. It just moves stuff around the desktop. If I want to move things to the left side, to the right side, because I often have two windows going, if I want to jump it to full screen, if I want to just make it really small in the corner, like a website I want to monitor or just something to keep small, I can just do that. It makes it so easy to move stuff around quickly. I find that if you pause and you're dragging your mouse or your trackpad around, it just distracts me. So if I could just get it out of the way quickly, I love it. And then I'll talk a little bit about Chrome because as much as I know that Safari is supposed to be the fastest browser and I love efficiency, there are just a lot of extensions that make Chrome such a great browser that ends up being my primary. So a few of the things I use, I've talked about a couple of these in the past. One is called Library Extension. Anytime you're browsing Amazon, if there's a book available for free at your public library, it'll tell you. Another one, if you have a Capital One card, which I love, is their Eno extension. And it basically lets you create virtual cards for any retailers for free. So unlike privacy, where you don't get points because you have to pay with your debit card or a bank ACH, this will let you generate unique card numbers that are one-time use or specific to a merchant with your Venture or Venture X card. So if you don't have a Venture card or Venture X card, obviously I'd appreciate you using the links at allthehacks.com slash cards. I love that card. And I love the fact that this can generate unique card numbers that you can turn off after you make a purchase. I love the Lucia extension. If I'm on LinkedIn and I'm trying to get someone's email, it'll just auto pull in an email for you. I also love tab to window pop-up. I know it's a little bit weird. I'm going to link to all these in the show notes. But basically, if you're browsing around in Chrome, sometimes you want to look at two tabs at once. This extension lets you use a keyboard shortcut to take the tab out of the current window into a separate one. And then you can use rectangle to kind of make sure they're all organized the way you want. I also love don't fuck with paste. If you've ever been on one of those websites where they ask you to put in your bank routing number or something and they don't allow paste on their website, this extension disables that and lets you paste into those fields. I know they're doing it so that you don't maybe copy and paste the wrong ACH or routing number. But for me, I actually think I'm much more likely to mess things up if I have to manually type the number. So I love that one. I also love the card pointers extension. I've mentioned card pointers in the past. It's a free app that helps you manage all of your credit cards and makes it easy to find the right card to maximize your category bonuses on everyday purchases. They also track all the credits and offers your card's eligible for. They do all this on their iOS and Android app, but the Chrome extension will let you know the best card to use as well as whether there are any offers, deals, or credits you can use on whatever site you're browsing. And if you want to try Card Pointers Pro, you can get a free trial and 20% off at allthehacks.com slash card pointers. Right now, they're also offering a $100 savings card with a $96 lifetime membership, which makes it effectively free. The only other one I'll mention is Keepa, and it tracks all the Amazon price history. So if I'm looking at a product on Amazon, I love being able to go see like, is this the lowest it's been in the last few months or is it the most expensive it's been? Oh, and actually there's one more, one tab. If you're ever doing some kind of research and you pull up like 15 tabs to try to do something and then you're not ready to do anything with it, 
One tab lets you click one button and it takes all those tabs and it just saves them. So later you can bring them back, but you don't have to keep them open. You don't have to keep them distracting you. I really like that extension too. A few other apps that I wanna share. I, I think most of them are cross-platform. So whether you're Mac or PC user. So once we had our first kid, we used a baby monitor called Nanit. And I was always frustrated that if I wanted to watch our daughter and see how things were going and see if she needed anything, I'd have to keep my phone open. And I really wanted to just be able to monitor the video feed on my computer, but they didn't have an app for the computer. They couldn't load the video on the web. And so I was really into this app called BlueStacks. And it would let you basically run an Android emulator on your computer. So first off, if there's any mobile apps that you just wish you could run on your computer for whatever reason, they don't have a web app, BlueStacks was fantastic. And I could run all these Android apps and it was great. Then what happened was BlueStack stopped supporting the M1 or M2 Apple processors. And I was like, ah, I need to find an answer. I need to find an answer. Well, what I didn't know, and maybe everyone listening knows, but I didn't, the M1 and M2 processors for Mac natively support iOS apps on the computer. So now, instead of having to run some third-party app, I actually just opened the App Store, searched for Nanit, and I could open and install and run iPhone and iPad apps on my Mac. So now I can control the camera from my computer and a few other things. But if you don't have an M1 or an M2 Mac and you want to pull the Android app up, BlueStacks was great. There are a handful of other Android emulators you could also use. But that hack was really great for me back before I got a new computer. When it comes to managing food and recipes and groceries, I love the app Paprika. It's cross-platform. It's not cheap, but it's so good. And so every time I'm on the web and I want to clip a recipe, my wife and I, we both save it to Paprika. We use the app for organizing what we're going to cook this week. And then you can take all the things that you're going to cook this week and throw it into a grocery list. You can go through that grocery list when you're in the grocery store. It auto sorts it by kind of aisle, check things off. My wife can add them to the list from home. Or if we're in the grocery store splitting up, as one of us checks something off, the other one sees it checked off in real time. It's just a really simple, beautiful interface for managing recipes, meal planning, grocery shopping. I love it. And then the last one's a one that I imagine most people use, but I think it's really great is 1Password. So we're going to do an episode in the near future about security and how to think about all of the things from identity theft to online protection to two-factor authentication. But 1Password is kind of the cornerstone of all of that for me. I put all my passwords there. I use it to make sure all my passwords are strong and unique. I use it in lieu of Google Authenticator. So I actually store my two-factor codes in one password. I use it to store secure things like my known traveler number and just stuff that I would need to grab. The browser extension makes it easy to grab at any time. It works on mobile. On iOS and Android, you can kind of set up a replacement keyboard so you can auto put in your passwords. I know Apple has their own kind of built-in thing, but I just think 1Password's better. And I know whatever the best deal that they're offering right now, you can get at allthehacks.com slash 1Password. It's just a great app. And for something like security and passwords, it's not a place where I'm excited about trying to get the free thing instead of the better thing. I signed up for it for a family account, so made sure my parents got on it, made sure everyone in the family was using it. And it's just been a really big lifesaver for all of us to be able to really efficiently manage things. My wife and I actually have a shared vault 
So for a lot of things like passwords, we want to be able to log into each other's bank accounts or different things. We just keep them in a shared vault so we can each access them and we update things accordingly. So one password is another really awesome one that I love. I know there's LastPass. I know there's Dashlane. I know there are other password managers. I'm not saying one password is always for everyone the best thing, but for me, I love it. I've been using it for, God, it seems like at least a decade, and I think it's fantastic. So let's change gears a little bit. I think part of productivity in life and the things we use aren't always software. So I want to talk about some of the gear I use for the podcast, for my life, for using technology around the house, just to make life better. So I'll just start right now. I'm talking to you on a real microphone, not the one built into my computer, I have two. The one I started with and that I recommend almost anyone who's recording any audio really get because it's not that expensive is the Audio-Technica ATR2100X. It's about $100. It's a USB and XLR mic. So USB, you could just plug into your computer. XLR, you could actually use it with an audio interface and other circumstances if you're recording professionally. But The quality of the mic is so good. And I remember as soon as I first got it, I was joining meetings for work remote as we are doing nowadays. And everyone was like, God, your audio sounds so good. Oh, man, I just want to hear you just say something. And so I thought it was so easy. In fact, a couple of my colleagues actually bought the microphone after hearing it because they're like, oh, I just want to sound good like that. I have since upgraded to a mic that I don't know. I don't even know if it's noticeably better. You guys listening can tell me. I upgraded about uh, six or seven months ago. So the first maybe 20 episodes are on the old mic to a Shure SM7B. I would say this is only if you really want to commit to audio because that mic routes through a device called a cloud lifter, routes through a device called an audio interface that plugs into my computer. It's a lot of work. I personally think the audio quality is a little bit better, but if you're not making a podcast, I wouldn't stress it too much. You could use the computer mic. Apple mics are pretty good, but I think the ATR2100X is is a really good mic if you want to sound better. Definitely check that out. For listening, I think the Apple AirPods might be one of the best products created in the last decade. My only knock on them is that if you use them a lot, the battery dies, and I now probably have three or four pairs of AirPods around the house. And most of them only have an hour or so battery life, but they're just good enough that I keep buying them because they make life so easy. They're not studio quality headphones. When I'm recording the podcast, I use Audio-Technica M50Xs. I really think they're great headphones. I tried a bunch. So you know that was my take. I'm not an audio engineer though. I'm sure someone here listening is and they have a better recommendation. But For me, those are my over-ear headphones for just kind of working on the podcast, listening to high-quality audio. Everything else is AirPods, unless I'm on a long flight and I bring some over-the-ear, noise-canceling, Bose, QuietComfort headphones. Those are also fantastic for travel. I also think video is important. So honestly, just the Logitech C900 series cameras are great. I use it for almost everything except recording video for the podcast. I think I have a C920 and a C930. One is on Amy's computer, one's on mine. Lighting is really important. I bought an Elgato ring light, which is probably way overkill for the average use case. But it's so great that you can control the light, the brightness, the color, everything, the color temperature from your computer without having to go press buttons. If you're recording a podcast, great. If not, there are a ton of really, really affordable, cheap lights that I think boost the quality of video a lot. I had a Loom Cube before that, and I think it's great. I still use it when I'm traveling because I'm not going to 
bring this giant light with me anywhere. The other big upgrade I made, and this is really like if you're giving a ton of presentations, maybe it's worth it. I've had a few listeners reach out, so I'm going to share. But again, I think it's overkill for most people. But I actually bought a teleprompter for recording the podcast. And that might seem like overkill, but it actually turns out teleprompters are not that expensive. The one I bought was under $100. And I put an iPad under it, which I already owned. And there's this great app called Duet Display. And with a lightning cable between your computer and your iPad, you can actually turn your iPad into a second screen. So on one hand, it's great if you just are someone who wants to have that second screen so you can work on two screens from a laptop and not need a monitor. But they can also mirror the screen. So I actually use the iPad with a teleprompter and I put the camera behind the teleprompter. So when I'm doing an interview with someone, I can have some notes and I can see their face while I'm looking right at the camera. It's not offset. Way overkill for most people. But because some people have emailed and asked, I thought I would share... Behind the teleprompter for me, I have my nice full-frame Sony A7C. It's definitely overkill for a webcam, but it's really great. And I use that when we're traveling as well. So I get a dual benefit there. And Elgato makes a product called the CamLink 4K, which lets you take an external nice camera and turn it into a webcam. So that's my computer setup. But I think one thing that is important for anyone online is Wi-Fi reliability. I upgraded recently when we moved to a UniFi system. I used to have a Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi system around the house, and it was pretty good. But when we moved, I took the time to really upgrade to something that I'd used in our office at my startup, that Wealthfront used in their office. And it's the UniFi Wi-Fi system. And it's been incredible. I don't think I've had to reboot a router in the last 18 months. Everything's been super fast. It's not the cheapest platform, but it's also not crazy expensive. I think each access point, I bought about half of them used on Nextdoor and Facebook Marketplace. So you can go that route for a little bit less. And we put them around the house. I think each access point is less than $100. And so we have a handful of those around the house. They all route to this device called a Dream Machine Pro. And we bought some Unify cameras, which we use instead of Nest cameras or Ring cameras around the house, because I like that it's all local. So all the cameras get stored on a hard drive on the Dream Machine Pro. So I'm not constantly using my bandwidth to upload feeds from the cameras we have around our house. And by around our house, I mean outside our house. We don't keep any cameras inside the house. As for getting in and out of the house... I love August locks. They make things so easy. I don't think I've carried a key for our house around forever, like for the last five or seven years. I can't remember how long ago we first got August locks. I love those. We finally added a ring security system to this house. I used to try to use this hardware system. I can't even remember what it was called. And it was like the DIY process of wiring in your old wired alarm system to this circuit board that you can put into smart things and pay this service. And Yes, I might have saved a few dollars, but it was just a mess of tinkering with stuff. Ring is great. It's super simple. If your house is already wired for something else, they have a version that you can just use the hardwired system you already have and bring it on Ring. That's what we do for security. The only other two things I think I'd add, they're not going to be shockers, right? Like I love Sonos and we have Sonos's around the house. I think that's not a surprise. And then the last piece of gear productivity tip trick that I'll share is I really love my Aura Ring. I wear my Aura Ring every day. 
I track my sleep with it. I track workouts with it. The Gen 3 ring tracks your heart rate variability and the oxygen levels in your blood. I think it's such a good product. Like, I know I've said that, but like this whole episode is me sharing the things that I think are really good products. But I really love the Aura Ring. I can get a really good sense of how sleep is going. I can, if I am drinking one night and I look the next morning, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And it's actually led me to want to drink less because I really like waking up refreshed. I know some people don't love the anxiety of feeling rested and finding out they weren't. But for me, I love being able to try to see how different amounts of sleep, different bedtimes, different exercise routines, different foods kind of contribute to the quality of my sleep and try to really dial it in so it's really high. Because I think in order to operate at a high level, you really need sleep and it's really important. So definitely check out the Aura Ring. You can go to allthehacks.com slash Aura. That's my kind of referral link. And I think you'll get $50 off also. All right. I think that's it. So thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. I hope some of what I shared is helpful and can help you live a more productive, happier, easier, more efficient life. If you have questions or if you want to share any feedback or other apps or productivity tricks you use, please send them my way. Chris at allthehacks.com. And I would love to hear from you. So that's it. I will see you guys next week. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. So I want to talk about an amazing resource, the NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast, where every week, NerdWallet's in-house experts and financial journalists set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your money. The nerds have already helped me get smarter about saving money on groceries, avoiding some of the latest financial scams, and boosting my credit score since it's actually been going a little bit up and a little bit more down lately as I've been taking advantage of a few recent credit card offers. They also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life so you'll get the clarity you need to make smart decisions with confidence. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.